Hey, welcome to the One Link Podcast. I am James, and I'm here with my buddy Peter. Peter, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing pretty well. Weather's nice down here in sunny Florida, so looking forward to today's conversation. Yeah. When is other than a hurricane? When is the weather not nice in sunny Florida? That's what I want to know. <laughs> it gets pretty warm during the summer. I, I must admit, this is the great great time of the year. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, well, we're ready to jump back in uh, with our buddy Eddie. Yeah, Eddie was my campus minister at UF, and I really appreciated the time with him last time and looking forward to what he has to share about evangelism today. Let's do it. What about evangelism? It seems like you guys have a pretty evangelistic, outreaching ministry. How do you go about, I don't know what to say, what's your philosophy? What's your, how do you train people towards evangelism on the campus? Um, how do you build a culture of doing that? Yeah, and I have to say this is not my strong suit. Okay. I'm, I'm I I'm not an evangelist. I don't have the gift of evangelism. I share the gospel because I've been commanded to share the gospel, not because it's easier natural for me. Right. And as I've gotten older, it makes it even more difficult to share the gospel on campus. Again, because you walk up to people, right? And so I've had to develop some creative ways of being around lost people. Like I. I was always involved in sports. And so I was team chaplain for the baseball team at UF and the softball team at UF for a number of years. And that got me around law students and earned me the right to be able to share the gospel with them because I'm not the old weird guy walking up on campus. I'm the team chaplain who sat there and cried with you when you went over four, you know? <laughs> so I can, so that was the way to do it. And now I'm the faculty, I'm the advisor, not faculty advisor, but I'm the advisor for a social fraternity on campus. So there's 140 guys, about 90% of them or more are not believers. And even the 10% that are believers, probably only 1% of them are actually walking as they should. So that's a rich mission field for me to do that. So that's one way is to continue to remind our students and our staff, find your spot or you can be around lost people. And if you're too busy to be around lost people, if lost people don't know you and they don't like you, then something's wrong with you. It's not the gospel. It's you. Not her. Because lost people like Jesus. They like to hang around with him. They, they treated him as a friend, and they wanted to be around him, and they wanted to hear what he said. So it's not the gospel. It's not Jesus. Then it must be what we do that tends to make people repel against that. So we try to do things in, in my philosophy is a little bit different than some of the other guys. And I give them complete freedom to, to do it how they want to do it. Uh, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of going out and just striking up conversations with people on campus because the, over the, the period of 40 years of seeing that happen, I hear a lot of times of people saying, we led this many people to the Lord, but I don't see that many people added to the ministry or the ministries of the local church. And so my personal philosophy is it's much better to spend that time investing in the lives of a few law students. When they come to faith, they stick because they have a relationship with somebody in the church and in a ministry already built in. It's not somebody just walks up to them. Now, that's not to say they're not saved and they're not going to heaven. That's not my role to make that call. But mm -hmm. in terms of the value for the ministry, investing in people that you know whether that's people that live in your dorm or people that live in your apartment or in your class or share a common interest like playing Frisbee or golf or being in a fraternity or sorority, 
Right. If you will invest in those relationships and then share the gospel, if somebody comes to faith, it's a built-in, easy step toward discipleship. And so we train them by teaching them to go out. We we go out on campus and do a whiteboard, and we do that to get them to engage in gospel conversations, all with the idea that it's much easier with somebody you know than it is with somebody that you don't know. So if you can do it with somebody you don't know, then what's to stop you from doing it with the person who lives down the hall from you? When you say, hey, let's go to dinner, and you bring up the conversation, it's a lot easier if you know how to do it. That's so right. we try to give them a bunch of different ways, a bunch of different tools to put in their tool bag and say, find one that's comfortable for you. And we don't have to tell you how to do it. I mean, most students, most Christians know a way to share the gospel. It's never about knowledge. It's about the desire and being uh-huh. scared and being afraid that you're going to hurt somebody's feelings. Well, if you're a friend to them first, a real friend, not just a project friend, but Thank a real you. friend to them, then it's going to come up because it's a part of who you are. And they're going to share who they are, and you're going to share who you are. And then you're going to say, hey, this is something important to me, and because you're my friend, I want to tell you. And they're going to listen to you, and they might not say yes, but they're going to be open to hearing, and they're going to watch your life. And if they see it played out in your life, then they're going to really engage with the gospel then, and you're in a position to answer their questions and walk with them through the process of moving one step closer to Jesus until they get to a point where they can no longer have any reason why they shouldn't. And they say, I'm going to, and that becomes then an, an easy handoff to discipleship and uh, them joining you in your church. And we've seen it work so many times with people who become friends with lost people and invite them to church, invite them to the BCM, have fun with them. And they, before they know it, they're inviting their lost friends to come with them to hang out. In mm-hmm. fact, one of our guys was on campus this last week with a guy who still hasn't made a decision for Jesus, who's still an atheist by his own admission, and he's inviting students to come hang out at a Bible study with the BCM. And they're like, well, I'm not a Christian. He goes, well, neither am I, but these people are fun. You got to hang out with them. Uh, That's winsome evangelism starting right there. You're way ahead of the game than for somebody who says, well, you're a Christian. You're a jerk. I don't like you. You're in trouble then. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you have that question. I might add to kind of a a tagline that's kind of developed here is we do cold contact evangelism all the time. And that's our evangelism training strategy. So you can go out on campus, you know, in an hour, have two or three gospel conversations, which means in a semester, you might have 20 or 30 if you're doing that every week. You know, that can get you 20 to 30 times more comfortable sharing the gospel. But that's just our evangelism training strategy. Our evangelism strategy is training people and just sending them out to go live their lives, to be in the dorm, to be on the team, to be at work. But if they're comfortable and competent, they're going to share the gospel if they know what they're doing. So, yeah. yeah. That's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. One of the things that we're observing, just as a general rule with students that apply with us, is one, that most of them, we don't think have we don't think they have enough evangelism training and that they probably all need to be more comfortable sharing the gospel. But the other thing when we talk with our overseas partners is it is also it's much easier to bring up spiritual things in a lot of places overseas, even where you would think, Oh, this, you know, they're Muslim, they wouldn't want to talk, or they're Hindu. But actually like they're like they're thinking about spiritual things all the time and it's not at all unusual bring it up and 
And I, just like you said, with the campus, students reach students. I mean, that's what we think here. College students from America are the best people to reach college students in South Asia or the Middle East or wherever. And so I think a lot about usually one of the questions, usually one of the questions that that they ask is, well, what do you do in America? What do you do on your campus? Well, I'm involved in a Christian ministry on campus. Oh, really? Tell me about that. (laughs) Boom. So no matter what country you're in, you have an open door to share the gospel because they've asked you, what do you do? You you didn't tell them. Uh-huh. See, that wasn't your lead. Your lead was, hey, I'm a student at UF. Uh, or what do you do? What what do students like at UF? That's not. Because most of the time they expect that every American is a Christian anyway, even though that's not it's true. It. We know it's not true. Mm-hmm. In yeah. many countries, they think it's true. So yeah. they're going to ask you that with the expectation that you're a Christian and you may be the only Christian they've met in their entire lifetime. And so you have an open door there if you just say, listen, this is what I do, right? I'm, how do you spend your week? Well, I'm in class. I go to this Christian ministry. We get trained. We, we sit around. We read the Bible together. We go to church on Sunday. Well, what's church like? Well, we worship Jesus. We sing and we study the Bible. Uh, would you like for to read the Bible with me? Uh-huh. Sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. You know, you can go any way you want to there, but sure. it's just a matter of if you're willing to say to somebody, this is who I am and this is important to me. Uh-huh. And so I want to tell you what's important to me. Uh-huh. And the reason why I came all the way across the country or across the world was to or learn I'll... about your country and to learn about you and to meet you and be friends. And have you learn about me and what's important to me. So what's important to you? I want to know. Uh-huh. If you listen to that first, then when they say, well, what's important to you, you have an open door to step through. It's not that hard yeah. Yeah. really Abs- in most parts of the world. Yeah, absolutely. And several people have told me recently, one in a Hindu context, one in a Muslim, but it's like, if I don't bring up, if I don't bring up my faith in the first conversation or two, they don't think it's important to me. Yeah. And that's pretty well true. Like whatever we think is important, we talk talk to people about how would you let me but flipping that because sometimes i feel like in america is this a misperception on my part sometimes i feel like there's like more pushback or they don't want you to to bring that up do you feel like like your students with their lost friends should they bring up god at the beginning should they wait a little bit become better friends how do you think that plays out with american college students you know 2023 right i think it depends on the student that you're talking to, right? If if you're discerning, if you go into it saying, I'm going to be a friend to this person, mm-hmm. and you get to know who they are before you, 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 want, you want to know more about them than they know about you, mm-hmm. right? But if they ask you, then you tell them. You don't hide it from them. Mm-hmm. But you don't have, that doesn't have to be your lead question. You know, if you were to die tonight, you know where you'd go. You know, that doesn't mm-hmm. have to be your lead first thing you meet them with. It can, uh-huh. yeah, that can come way later down the road. You know, you're talking with them about what is important to you and getting to know them and you know, something that was a common interest, whether it's you live in the same dorm, you're in the same class, you're eating the same food, or you're playing the same game. You have something that's common. So you can talk about that. And then you can say, well, what else do you do? Right. Are you a, you're a student? Well, what are you studying? Okay. Well, what's important to you? Tell me a little bit about your family. Tell me about your background. What did you do when you were growing up? What did you do when you were in high school? And if you ask enough questions of them like that, sooner or later, they're going to ask you the question back to you. What do you do? What was your high school like? What was important to you? 
And you can then, in, in an honest conversation, share what's important to you. And if the gospel is important to you, you can say, my relationship with God is really crucial in my life. It's made me who I am. It's who, you know, who I am. It helps me to give to others and, and be friendly or whatever you, whatever is the comfortable flow of your conversation. But it's an easy, it's an easy step if you will invest the time to let them bring it up. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. usually doesn't take long between one conversation for them to ask you, well, what else do you do? You know, you're, 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 okay. you're uh, an education major. What do you want to do? Well, I want to teach. Well, why do you want to teach? Because I really believe God has gifted me dealing with children. Oh, so you believe in God, right? It's mm-hmm. working the conversation about spiritual matters into an everyday conversation. As if you're, is this comfortable talking about it as you're talking about your favorite sport team or the Florida Gators or your school that you go to. It's just a part of your story and you want to treat it as such. Don't think of it as this weird appendage to your life. It's not something that's got to be a weird part of the conversation. And if you start talking about it and they're like, oh man, I don't want to talk about that, that gospel stuff. You're like, okay, let's talk about something else. And you let it go at that point, right? You don't press further than they're willing to open their heart. And so when they open it, you press. And when they close, you're like, okay, okay, God, that's as far as we can go today. But you know that God's not done working and he may use you or he may use somebody else down the road. And you may not be the person who gets to cross the goal line with the gospel with that person, but you're the person that got it off the start line. Yeah. Or as we say, you're one link in the chain. That seems to be a good title for a ministry. <laughs> yeah, so it is. Peter, what else should we ask Eddie today? Well, maybe a, a question, maybe the more forward looking, you know, we've got over the last couple of years, really in the last 10 years in my perspective, but especially in the last couple of years, more and more students seem like they're thinking about going overseas long term to serve in some different ways. Maybe that's one thing, maybe something else. What would you say are some future goals that you still have for the ministry? Being what it is, there's a lot of balls being juggled, a lot of ministry partners that are coming on, coming off and things. What do you think the next step is in a ministry that's sort of this well-developed, for lack of a better word, or this mature, I guess? Yeah, well, certainly I think one of the things, honestly, is a succession plan and a handoff for me to whoever else comes after me. And, you know, I'm, I'm not naive to think I'm going to do this forever. I don't know when God's going to say it's done. Whenever God says that it's done, it's done. Right. And, and if he calls me somewhere else, then I'll go somewhere else. As Peter's heard us say a lot. And we say it often, you put your yes on the table and you let God say when and where and how long. And so <laughs> until God says somewhere else, then, then I'll be here doing this until he says something else. Uh, but eventually there's going to be a, a succession. There's going to be a handoff. So I think Part of is looking for that and uh, developing, and that's already started in some ways of developing guys and saying, "Hey, you know, my recommendation when I leave here is going to be one of you guys continue this and step in." So whoever that is, I don't know. Depends on who's still here at that point, you know, or who's coming back. For that matter, I, I, I won't get to pick it. But I think one of the other things is, as we talked about, is we want to send fifty students a year. You know, we want to we want to send fifty students every summer. To, to spend all summer cross-culturally. And uh, in addition to that, we want to 
help churches and resource them and sending short-term trips. And, and we want to do that for the kingdom's sake, not for our sake, because by the time that they can benefit us, they won't be benefiting us. They'll be benefiting their local church. Wow. Uh, and that's a great thing. So in terms of missions, I think that's the involvement. I mean, we would, I would love to see selfishly uh, a team on every continent every year. Sure. I'm not sure we can get to Antarctica, but you know, if we need to share the gospel with England, so be it. But, you know, in every other continent, we, we'd, we'd, I'd love to have a team there. I'd love for UF to have a presence that the gospel has gone out from UF to every part of the world mm-hmm. and to be able to say that. Um, and, and we can in some ways because we, we've been, somebody from the UF has been on every continent sharing the gospel over the last 20 years. But every year, we'd like to have continued partnerships with them. And I think the other thing is, you know, just another statement, we might be a pause there and give another chance to pick up another conversation is one of the things that we tell parents and students is going on a mission trip is never safe. Well, so whenever they say, well, the world's not a safe place. Absolutely. You're correct. The world is not a safe place. There is no guarantee that if you go, you'll come back. But there's no guarantee that if you get in your car and you drive across town, there is no guarantee that you'll go on vacation with your family and be safe. The world is not a safe place, but the securest place you can be is right where God wants you to be. And if you step off this planet into the arms of Jesus from being on mission, then you will go doing exactly what he called you to do. And there is no better way to go home than to be on mission with God in the place where he wants you to be in that moment. And so, yeah, it may not be safe, but it is definitely secure. God knows where you are. God has all the resources. And if he wants you home, you'll come back. And if he doesn't, he will fulfill his purpose for your life in that spot. There could be no greater joy than to know that your purpose in life was fulfilled and God called you home from the very spot you were supposed to be. So we try to help parents understand that whenever they say, oh, this, you know, whatever is in the world happened, there's always going to be something in the world. But you do the best you can to be secure, but you cannot guarantee safety. So we don't even try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if parents don't want them to go, we're like, well, that's up to you. But... We haven't lost anybody yet, but there's always the first tomorrow. Your kid could be it. It's, it's a reality. Yeah, you know, we've had we've had students die just here. Um, so it can happen, but it it doesn't matter. You still need to go if that's where you want to go. Then go. You'll be all right. Yeah, that's awesome. We're well. I sure appreciate your time. I uh, love hearing about your ministry. I love partnership that we get to have with you both the students you send and Peter that you share with us and bracing before him and hope and pray that you do get those 50, 50 students a year and hitting every continent. I wish you that that would be awesome. Well, we're very appreciative of one link and, and I would say you can share this with any director of any student ministry. You find people who do something well and you let them do it and it helps your ministry because then you don't have to do what they do well. You can go do something else well and expand the kingdom on your campus. 
And one link does missions well. They train well. They help recruit well. And I highly recommend partnering with them at some point, in some level. You still get to control what you want to control, and you get to hand off what you want to hand off. That's a great partnership. Awesome. Well, we sure appreciate it, Eddie. God bless you. Well, that wraps us up uh, with Eddie. Peter, I'm so grateful that you set up this interview with him and grateful to get to pick his brains a little bit. Yeah, that was just an awesome word of endorsement from them. And, you know, as a student in this ministry, I've just been so benefited by our relationship with OneLink over the last couple of years. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do in the future here at the, the UFBCM. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listeners, uh, we will catch you next time on the One Link Podcast. We appreciate you being with us. Take care.